This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. This is a new installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophy and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics they touched on, and we try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Stephen Damore. So a big thank you to Stephen for coming on the show. You can connect with him on Twitter by searching at Stephen underscore Damore. So I'll spell that out for you. It's at S-T-E-P-H-E-N underscore D as in dog, A-M-O-R-E, at Stephen Damore. There's also a link to it on 343coaching.com in the write-up for this podcast if you want to go and look at that. If you enjoy these episodes of the 343 podcast and you are an ambitious coach that is looking for a powerful and proven coaching education program, go check out the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. It is a program that has been successfully implemented by coaches of all levels, including the Development Academy, high school, and college, among others. David Copeland-Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. He said, and I quote, honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches. The premium membership gives you 24-7 access to video lessons, ebooks, and audio recordings that help you learn the 343 philosophy and methodology. And you can learn more about the benefits of the premium coaching membership program by visiting 343coaching.com. Once again, that's 343coaching.com. Com. All right, uh, it's time for today's episode. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Stephen Damore. Hello. Stephen, what's going on, buddy? J- John, how's it going, man? It's going good, dude. Going good. I'm excited for this. I've been amped up, so. <laughs> it's cool. Um, all right. So the nature of the call is it's meant to be quick. It's meant to be uh, It's meant to be kind of free-flowing, except for this very first part where you're going to get two minutes uninterrupted to talk about your coaching philosophy or just your ideas about, about soccer or how you see the game. So after uh, after two minutes, we'll sit here and we'll – We'll discuss for about like eight to ten minutes, and then that's it, man. That's a wrap. Absolutely, man. You ready for it? I'm ready. All right, cool. So, uh, so two minutes uninterrupted. Actually, I'm going to chime in at about thirty seconds and let you know that you got thirty seconds left to wrap it up, and then at two minutes, I'll I'll jump in and interrupt you if you go long. But uh, two minutes right now, uninterrupted from uh, Stephen Demore. All right, Stephen, take it. Hey, man. I uh, appreciate you having me out here. Um, really, just wanted to kind of give my philosophy on things. Um, you know, when it comes to player development, for me, I'm dealing with such a young dynamic of uh, young females. And I think it's really imperative that we give them the opportunities to compete because a lot of times in their rec programs or whatever programs they're coming to me from, they're, they're really not getting that. I mean, they're having to fight with, you know, the, the players that they're with, but the level that I'm coaching at is a little bit higher. So really want to give the girls the opportunity to, to challenge themselves a little bit more. Um, the coolest part I'd say about 
the philosophy I have is, you know, giving the girls the chance to to understand that the game is built around the ball and having that opportunity to to possess the ball during the game. The girls really don't recognize how much fun the game is when until they start sharing the ball with each other and realizing that they don't have to give the ball away, that they can keep it, that they have the chance and they have the choice to keep it anytime and anywhere on the field. So uh, having done that and having implemented that with the girls that I've had, it's been so much fun um, to to really give them the opportunity to see that and see the game in a different perspective. So, All right. Is that it? Yeah, all for right. sure. A minute and a minute and ten seconds. You got it all out there quick. <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> cool. Leaves more room for conversation. Um, Absolutely. All right. So uh, tell tell me a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from, and and what level you are coaching currently. Absolutely, man. So um, I hail from New York, um, but I recently relocated about six years ago to North Carolina. Um, I've been coaching for roughly about 10 years, currently coaching NCFC, North Carolina Football Club. um, And I am the girls juniors director for our southern region. Um, So that's our kind of lead into our, our top level in the club. um, At the youngest ages. So I work with the sevens, eights, nine and 10 year old girls. Got it. Um, when when did you come up with this idea that the game is built around the ball and that it's kind of it's more fun to keep it, more fun to have the ball with you, and more fun to share the ball with your teammates? When when did you come up with that idea, or or when did that idea start to drive the way that you're coaching? Sure. Uh, I mean, back I would say in 2009, I was taking my USSFC license. Um, I felt like I was on the right track for development. And the, the sad part was that after getting these licenses, I felt like the, the results on the field really, really weren't showing for me. So I said to myself, you know, I have to reevaluate what I'm doing. And I was lucky enough to get in contact with my you know, now mentor, uh, this guy, Mark Lugris. Um, he, he really kind of adapted my philosophy and helped me work with me and showed me how to, how to get players to really enjoy themselves, not only you know, from a soccer standpoint, but just from coming to practice and being involved and, and enjoying themselves, um, you know, on and off the field together. So, you know, he made it really big into personal development, but, you know, personal development within the team context. When you're, when you're working with players that are six, seven, eight, nine years old, what, what types of things are you doing to encourage them to number one, see value in, in having the ball or keeping the ball? And, and I guess the, the way we probably describe that most often is saying uh, we keep possession of the ball. So yeah. what, what are some of the first steps in, in getting them to see value and keeping possession of the ball? And then um, what, what are some things, what are some other tools that you're using to reinforce that idea? Sure. Um, well, some of the things that we talk about, I mean, we do a lot of, you know, decision-making activities in practice, whereas, you know, a lot of people I think at the youngest ages are doing a ton of one V one activities. I think those are really valuable and, teaching individual possession but then we kind of implement things where you know you're just working on you know just maybe like a 4v0 rondo or a 3v1 rondo and and players getting introduced to that they all already start to see the connections with their teammates whereas you know before that they normally are thinking okay i have to do this all myself i have to, I have to take every player on and try to score a goal or and then all of a sudden it kind of brings that that team mentality into it and, and it changes the dynamic for the players um so that's I would say that's probably the biggest thing is just giving them that and then also like to reinforce it um, just kind of telling the players like hey look 
if the other team doesn't have the ball, they can't score. And when, when they realize that and they kind of get that, that first like connection with, Hey, we're, we're controlling the game, not them. Then they enjoy it so much more. Like we, we pick where we want to score. We pick when we want to go forward. And, and it gives you so much more control. And it, the game is less, I use the term less random. There's not much randomness to the game where we at least try to, you know, alleviate that randomness by, by controlling the game and understanding where to be at the right times. And, you know, just thinking before we get the ball, simple things like that. Can you give me like a brief, just, you know, quick introduction to what a 4v0 is and, and how you how you kind of use it with six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we introduced us like the, the Rondo Square um, just to the players. So we show them that they have their own personal space on each side. Um, we tell them that there's going to be no defender in the middle, but we're going to work on predicting or thinking about what it's like to have a defender in the middle. Um, so then we talk about the three, three of the major components we talk about normally are just, you know, simple technical pieces first, you know, receiving across your body, quick, firm passes to the player's back foot if possible. But then we also talk about the movement. And that's the one thing that I see, um, I, I guess a lot of coaches kind of sometimes forget is that that movement piece in relation to where a defender would be is, is invaluable. So we talk to the players about, you know, showing up. We always use the term showing up on the right angle at the right time for the player on the ball. Um, so you can see the girls, you know, when the ball's played to the right, you know, they see the next player showing up. You see the girl pass the ball, showing to the showing to get the ball back just in case. And we see the girl across um, always being available for a pass. And essentially they get to play. Um, it's really non-directional. They can go right. They can go left. I try not to let them play across right from the beginning, but I give them that, that opportunity to, to kind of feel out those passes. And then sure enough, um, after a couple of opportunities, a couple of repetitions, and when it looks right, we, we add in a defender. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, that movement you were talking about, it, it shows right here. Like I, I can be to the side of the defender and get the ball rather than standing behind the girl. And and it, all of a sudden everything clicks for them and it's it's awesome. And then we put it into a bigger game and you know things start to flow for us. And that's I guess that's the the proof in the pudding, if you would. Have you always been willing to to teach this type of stuff to six and seven year olds, or is this something that you had to? Uh, or, or that you learned was was something you could teach at a later at a later stage in your coaching uh, development. Well, I mean, like I said, after the after I was taking my C my United States, uh, USSFC license, um, I kind of just threw out the book, like literally threw out the manual, and just said, <laughs> right, I'm going to rework this year. And then you know, having have an opportunity to work with Mark, my mentor, um, and then having an opportunity uh, having found three four three was really a great like reaffirmation of the things that we had been doing um and it it made me feel like i had i had some ownership over the work i was doing not like somebody telling me like okay uh this is how it's done you know you're gonna do things this way um and and i loved it because i felt like there's not i don't feel like not many people are doing this i feel like a lot of people are hesitant to to coach you know six and seven year olds or or eight and nine year olds on on keeping possession and the focus is always like how can we improve them individually but to me I think that's a challenge. I want to improve these kids individually. I want to improve them all on and off the field. But at the same time, I want to teach them that they can keep the ball then. Like, there's no way that a team like, uh, I don't know, a Barcelona Academy team is able to keep possession at, at U12 just because they have world-class players. Those things are ingrained in them from five, six, seven. It's part of their DNA. I mean, and they grow up with it even before then in their, in their family environment. So. 
Yeah, no, I totally understand. And it, it, it's funny, it's something that Tom Beyer brings up quite often is that, you know, in certain in certain cultures or certain countries, countries that um, have won World Cups is where Tom likes to focus a lot of his uh, his message. It's like those those kids are being taught certain principles or certain things from the time, you know, they're zero, basically. And so, like, these technical things that we start to teach typically in the United States at age six, well, the kids in Brazil have started to learn those six years prior. And um, so it's like they have, like, that six-year head start. So when the kids enter the team environment at six, seven, eight years old, you're able to kind of streamline the work and, and skip to, um, like, these rondos and things like that. And and so I... I, I I forget the thought that I had why why I was going there. Oh, uh, a lot of times uh, coaches think that oh because we we don't have that that technical base or whatever in, in a lot of in a lot of American players we can't teach those things like oh they need these first. It's like nah, not not really like like you 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 can do them side by side or another another interesting thought would be why aren't you selecting players that have that culture already ingrained in them and are able to start working on these things? Because a lot of times those players are overlooked in this country uh, for, for um, other reasons. I guess that's, that's a topic for another day, but yeah. That just got me fired up, man. I'm glad you said for topic for another day. Cause you know, I, when I'm selecting a team, it's always, I feel like I'm looking for those, those traits and then, you know, I, I, maybe not necessarily are everybody not maybe not everybody's looking for the same things that I'm looking for. And I kind of feel like, hey, am I doing things wrong because everybody's looking at things kind of like from a different perspective? Or you know, normally it ends up working out for me, but it's just it's been weird here and not having that uh, you know, not having everybody on the same page. So, oh, I I, I get it, man. Uh, you mentioned that it's worked out for you. How how uh, how do you measure if it's working out, or how do you measure success or failure in in your in your own mind? Oh, I mean, I think I'm pretty critical of myself. Uh, anybody who knows me will probably say, you know, this guy, you know, one day I'm thinking things are great, but then, uh, you know, when I say great, I'm like, oh, you know, what, what's tomorrow going to bring? And I look at it from a different perspective the next day, and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, this guy, this has to be improved. But the overall success, I mean, is what the, what the end result looks like on the field. Um, you know, and when I say end result, I'm not talking about the scoreline. I'm talking more so the quality of play. Is is it is it where my vision is? Does does what the play looks like on the field match my actual philosophy and actual actual vision? Um, and that's that's one part of it. But I also measure the success actually for myself and in terms of the the ability of the players to want to like live and breathe this idea and want to be a part of this idea because the girl the girls game. They, they, they have an attachment to the national team, but they don't. I don't necessarily think the girls necessarily have an attachment to, you know, the, the kind of play that we're talking about. I don't think they have like visual ideas of what they want to be like. So I want to try to teach them and tell them, hey, like this can be you. This can be the the type of player you can be. This can be the type of team you can be. And once I see the girls pick that up and the girls are thoroughly enjoying themselves, or they just feel like they want to drive more and be be more involved in it, then then I know I've done my work. So really, the two things, like I said just the the overall picture on the field and then and then the ability for the girls to pick up the game and and really enjoy what we're trying to do here i love it man um where uh where can people connect with you and and see more of your ideas about the game and and uh some of the stuff that you've that you're able to share 
Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. I, 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 I've been using Twitter a lot for the past two years and really enjoyed it. It's just more so from the networking and, and seeing, you know, other people and, and their ideas. So I'm on Twitter at Steven underscore Damore. That's D-A-M-O-R-E. Um, you know, you could also, uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I don't even, to be honest with you, they make you change your name so much. I don't even know what it is at this point. It's probably <laughs> Stephen V. Demore or something, but, uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. So I would love uh, to connect with anybody on there. Awesome. Uh, all right. Anything, uh, any, any parting words, any last thoughts? Uh, Hey, anything, anything's possible. Um, especially here in the U S you know, so really, really, if you have an idea and you believe in it, you know, stick to it. And and there's definitely, there's definitely a way that you can go about accomplishing it. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Steven Demore. You can find him at Steven underscore Demore on Twitter. I will link to that in the write up for this. Steven, thank you so much for your time, man. And, uh, and I'm trying to remember the names of the girls that, that, you had come out to the to the camp last summer. I can't remember. The only one I'm remembering right now is Avery. Um, yeah, we got we got Avery, Braden, Presley, um, yeah. just to name a few. Uh, Maddie Bass, I mean, a bunch of them came T- out, so it was cool. Make sure make sure you tell all all the girls and, and their families I said hello because I I do think about them often. I hope yeah. everything's going good out there. Yeah, they were disappointed that it's not going on this summer. I had to, I had to, you know, uh, lightly tell them that because they were all asking me like, "Hey, we're looking forward to the camp again this year," and then. You know, I said, "Hey, hopefully in the future we'll get uh, you guys back here." Yep, we will. We will figure out something for the future. I'm, um, I'm sure I will end up there again sometime soon. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, you know, it's really meant a lot to me, and and it's just great to talk with you. So, perfect. All right, Steve. Uh, we'll catch you next time, and we'll catch up soon. All right, take care, man. All right, later. All right, bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.